I just love the singing that's coming out of the NBT family. I'm just getting better and better. I love that. So grateful that you're here. There's a pitfall in religion. A pitfall that you can fall on either side. A pitfall that is there for you and it's there for me. A pitfall that if you're not careful will bring about your destruction on one side or the other. When one comes into a relationship with God or one tries to establish a relationship with God, these pitfalls exist. I'm going to try to explain what they are. There is a propensity for some when they start a relationship with God to be so enamored with rules and regulations that they forget about God completely and altogether. They, they, they live as if uh, God was some rule keeper who needed for us to jump through hoops do correct things, say correct things, act in the correct way, behave in such a way that God can only be pleased by obeying these laws. There's another side, though. And these people will call legalists, right? And everybody, uh, you know, everybody goes, legalists, nobody likes legalists. And then there are people on this side. I'm going to give you a $5 word. They're called antinomian. Everybody say antinomian. antinomian. All right. Impress all of your friends at your New Year's party with the word, I'm not an antinomian. And they won't know what you mean, but they'll go, yeah, I know. And so it'll be very cool. Antinomian. Now, antinomian people, this is, and again, this is the pitfall within Christianity. Not so much in all religions. In all religions, Everybody falls on the legalist side. In Buddhism, in, uh, it, it's, it's all about, you know, in Buddhism it's the Eightfold Path, in Islam it's the Five Pillars, and everybody has a set of rules, right? But in Christianity we have two pitfalls to fall into. There's the legalist and the antinomian. The antinomian says, God loves me. And He forgives me. And He's... For, very merciful. So, excuse me while I sin as much as I'd like. Because I've got my ace in the hole. God loves me. He's merciful and will forgive me. So it doesn't matter if I drink or don't drink. It doesn't matter if I curse or don't curse. It doesn't matter if I, if I cheat on my spouse or don't cheat on my spouse. It doesn't matter. If it, these things don't matter because, listen, 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 listen. God forgives me, he's merciful, and Edwin's been preaching for these last few months about how it's not about the law. And so we say, I'll do whatever I want. And what we discover in God's word is that both are wrong, and that the right answer isn't a combination of both, but it's something completely and utterly different. I want you to go into your Bibles in uh, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to be reading God's Word. Uh, 
I'm gonna, I feel a great need to pray. I should have prayed in the beginning. I'm, uh, I feel a need to pray, so I'm gonna, more for me than for you. But um, you can just, uh, some of you, while you look on, you can pray along with me. And if you found the place, just pray with me. Lord, you're amazing. Our chains are gone. We've been set free. Our very Savior has ransomed us. And like a flood, His mercy reigns in unending love and astonishing, unparalleled, amazing grace. And so, Lord, we lift You up and we say that You are good and holy and right and that You are worthy of praise and worship, that there is none like You, And that, Father, we also know that there are things that are going on in our lives. Lord, there are people here whose marriages are just going to pot and they just, they need your amazing grace within their marriage. And there are those here who are brokenhearted about their children and they too need your amazing grace. Father, I pray that your amazing grace wouldn't stop being amazing. And that we would be in awe in every single area of our lives, recognizing how the cross and the gospel have truly set us free to be something completely new and utterly unique. Lord, be ye glorified in this place. Be lifted up. Touch our hearts in ways that we never thought possible. Put thoughts in our minds that draw us closer to you. Make our souls sing for the Savior. We thank you for this time together, for we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, what was happening, and, 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 and you know what the problem is, right? In the, in the Galatian church, they had a, a, a problem that arose. Paul, who's writing this letter, it, he was saying there's a problem that was arising. There was people who were coming up, and these people that were coming up behind him after Paul were saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is good, but you need Jesus plus something else, right? So it's Jesus plus morality, or Jesus plus whatever. And so uh, Jesus plus something, right? Now, in, in the, the equation that these guys were putting up, it's, it's fascinating, and it's going to be on the screen right now. It's, it's Jesus plus obedience to the law equals salvation. That was what the Pharisees, the legalists, the people who came behind Paul, they said, okay, Jesus is good, and he certainly takes care of a great deal. But if you want the pleasure of God, if you want to have relationship with God, if you want to really, really connect with God, I mean, on a spiritual level, be really, really spiritual, you got to perform these steps. You got to go through these hoops. You got to obey these laws. So you have to follow these sorts of, it's Jesus. Yes, 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 he's good. But you need more than that. It's Jesus plus obedience to the law. Now, you know that you believe this, right where you sit, you know that you believe this, if, when you blow it, you don't want to come to church anymore. 
If when you blow it, you don't want to pray. If when you blow it, you don't want to read your Bible. If when you blow it, you don't want to uh, go to church anymore. You would never say this. But listen, listen, listen. In your heart, you go, I can't go to church after what I've done. And you say this. You see, what gets, what pays my admission in the door is Jesus. And he, I mean, he pays most of it. Like 80%. We would all agree with that, right? But there's this 20% of the law that I have to obey. Morality. Doing the right thing. Saying the right thing. Being right. This is religion at its worst. And this is incredibly painful. Listen, some of you stopped going to church because you couldn't do your 20%. Some of you had a relationship with Jesus at 15 that was thoroughgoing and strong and powerful and no more. This might be your first time. In fact, some of you have gotten a jump start on your New Year's resolution to start coming back to church, right? And you come in like a week early or you came last week too. And so, right, right? It's like, a, you know what? I'm just going to, and you're going to try this 80-20 thing. You're going to go, Jesus, yes, I love Jesus, but you need 20%. And God forbid you blow it because if, if you blow it, then you can't have a relationship with Jesus. And on the other side of the street, you think you're really in tune with God if you're doing everything right. Like if you said, man, I'm going to do, I'm going to pray every morning. And you do that eight days straight, you're like, woo, I am in. Me and God, we are close. We are just rocking. This is amazing. I am really doing well with God. I have prayed eight days straight. Here's what you're saying. In your soul, and you don't say this in your mind, because if you said it in your mind, you would be alert to it. Uh, 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 you would be alerted to it. You say, it's Jesus plus doing right, acting right, living right, saying right. So Paul, in, in the equation, had Jesus equals salvation. Jesus, not Jesus plus obedience to the law equals salvation. Paul said, Jesus equals salvation. Jesus equals salvation, but it doesn't just end there. Jesus equals salvation so that you can have power to do the law. Does that make sense? In other words, the salvation, the gospel that Jesus gives, which is what Paul's argument is going to be, and trust me, we're going to go into some advanced stuff. If we were like in the, if we were in high school last week, we're like in our doc, uh, you know, doctoral program now. With this scripture, this is a, and, and I, we admit, and I'll admit right now, that this is, if you're investigating Christianity, I'm so glad you're here. If you're just like trying to kick the, you know, Christian tires, or maybe you came because somebody promised you lunch or, Something like that, or you know, your wife said she'd be really, really nice to you if you just came to um, uh, church. I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, this is a really good thing. But we're going to be looking at some really deep truths about the Bible. And so, what we find in Paul's theology is that it's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus equals salvation. But Jesus equals salvation. So now. You can live the law. Do you see the difference? The Pharisees say Jesus plus the law equals salvation. 
Paul says, and Jesus says, and the Bible says, Jesus equals salvation. Now you could live out the law. Now it could come out from you. Like a volcano of goodness can come out of you. Not because you're trying to, but because it's who you are. I never have ever thought for one minute about how to be more Puerto Rican. That has never occurred to me. Never. Not one time. It's who I am. And I know some of y'all say, dang, he's Puerto Rican? You don't need to have an accent to be Puerto Rican, all right? And so, it's like, yeah. I was like, man, I knew he was good looking for a reason. And so, he's Puerto Rican. That makes sense. Maybe not. All right, so, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. So it is in your walk in Christ. When we surrender to Jesus. So it's neither legalism. I got to try. I better do it. I got to work hard. I got to. It's neither legalism. Oh man, you know, like, you know, I didn't, gosh, I didn't uh, do that. So now I'm stuck or, or, you know, God, you know what? I wasn't very nice to that person. Oh man, I feel down. Now I walk by a homeless person. I give him $5. I feel up. And then I go home and I cut somebody off. And I go, man, that wasn't nice. But then I give someone else my parking space. Yes, I'm good again. And then I get upstairs and I yell at my wife. No, I'm down again. And then I help my kids with my homework. I'm good again. And you, you see the insanity of that kind of living. That kind of, you know, let me, let me bring it a little bit more home. You know, man, I relapsed. God can't love me. I've been clean for 20 years. God really loves me. No. All are wrong. That, none of that is right. It's legalism. And it traps you. And it gives you a... Watch this. It gives you a deep closeness with rules. And who here loves a deep relationship with rules, right? Like we were going to do... A, I think we might have did... Did we do a series? I know we wanted to. We had planned for it. A series called Authority Issues. Because nobody here has authority issues, right? That's just me. Right? Everybody's like, you know, everybody's like totally submissive to their authority and everything, right? Sure. Because no, none of us like rules. But neither is it on this side where we go, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me so that I might stay in the sin pit that I was when I came here. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. You were in a cell. You were chained, bound to sin. I know, I know. But my Savior, He set me free. I know, I know. But only to be put back into the cell, not by Satan or, or the world, but by my own choice. This is the argument that Paul is going to be arguing right now. He's saying, no, 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 it's not this one, it's not this one, it's something complete. It's not even both of them put together. It's something totally different. It's gospel living. Jesus plus nothing equals the gospel. So how do I grow? How do I continue to grow in Christ? How do I uh, defeat those kind of sins that are in my life that I can't stop doing? I just, you know, gosh, I wish I wouldn't, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to run those numbers anymore. But here I am. 
And I don't want to, you know, click on the computer and do this stuff, but here I am. And I don't want to be mean-spirited in the words that I say, but there I am. I don't want to treat my husband with such disrespect, but here I am. And so you, you sit and, and you come week after week and you start getting discouraged and saying, my chains aren't gone. I haven't been set free. I feel like I'm in the same place. I'm grateful that I'm forgiven, but I want to grow. And Paul says, I'm going to speak to you about this. And that the law is not against the grace of God. That they work in a way that's not both of them put together. It's something completely and utterly new. So we're going to pick up in chapter uh, 3, verses 15. And Paul has been really giving um, this argument for a while. We've been here for a while. Chapter 3, it, it's something else. It's, it's, you really have to take your time. This is, um, this is the part of the Bible where you just can't race through it. Like you can't speed read through this. This is, this is important. It says, brothers, in verse 15, brothers, Let me take an example from everyday life, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. Look up at me. And what Paul is saying is is that, uh, let me give you the argument, because we talked about the argument last week, but you might not have been, or two weeks ago, but you might have forgotten, and uh, or you might not have been here. So let me tell you what it is. The argument is this. These guys are saying, no, 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 you need the law. You need to be obedient. If you want God's good favor, you need to be, be right, act right, do right. You need, you need that. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. The law didn't come till hundreds of years later. There was a promise. Remember we talked about Abraham? The promise that was given to Abraham. So Paul puts the entire Bible together. Abraham, he's going to put Moses in the law, and he's going to put uh, the gospel all in the same. So we're going to get sort of a panoramic view of it. So a lot of us here think, or we've thought about the Bible, gosh, the Old Testament, God was like a bugaboo. God was like this scary guy. But in the New Testament, he's like, he's like, he's like Bob Ross. Anybody remember Bob Ross from Channel 13? He's, Bob Ross was the guy who did the painting. He, he's the guy who smoked weed and did the paintings, right? Yeah, he's like, oh, there's a little tree there. And there was no mistakes. He would go, oh, that's not a mistake. That's just a happy bush. And then he would start dating, right, right? So, right, so we think that the New Testament is like God being Bob Ross and, and, and the Old Testament is like God being Saddam Hussein. And we're saying, okay, we're really glad we're in the New Testament. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Paul is saying, God, not quite Bob Ross, but God was, God is God. He's immutable. He doesn't change. And he's been, grace and the gospel have always been the way. I was asked a couple of weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago. I was asked, um, is the Bible a religious book? I said, absolutely not. The Bible is not a religious book. Religion is my effort in trying to connect with God. The, the Bible is God's effort to explain himself, to reach out, to draw men to himself. It's God's effort to us, not my effort to God. Isn't that different? God is pursuing you. I tell you, when I was a kid, I loved that, right? Everybody in my class, when we were little kids, cops and robbers, which one do we want to be? Robbers, why? Because you don't want to pursue, you want to be pursued. In your high school, that doesn't change. Am I lying, right? You don't want to pursue, you want to be pursued, right? I love the fact 
that God loves me so that, so that he pursues me. Just love that. So Paul is saying that it's the whole Bible that says it's the gospel. It's about the gospel. We grow in the gospel. We begin our relationship in the gospel. We move forward. We go into the advanced levels of relationship with Christ through the gospel. And so he, he gives this example. He says, now, brothers, you know, let's take an example from everyday life. Nobody can ratify a, a, a contract what's, once it's been set off. Now, what Paul is not saying, what Paul is not saying is that it can't physically be done. Of course it can. People have, people break contracts all the time. But what Paul, Paul is speaking in a way like you and I speak. You know how like, ladies, you've gone to parties with your, with your husband or your boyfriend or your friend, right? And you know, they come in and they start double dipping or triple dipping. Like, you know, have you ever gone to a party and you go into the dip and you go, and what do you go up to them? You go, you can't do that. Well, what you're saying, you're not saying that they're physically incapable of doing that. What you're saying is that it's not right, right? That's what Paul is saying here, right? Like, so, you know, my wife will go to me, Edwin, you can't go out there and say that. I go, watch me. And, you know, and so goes, you know, she's, she's saying, it's not right. It's not right, right? So that's what Paul is saying here. It's not right. Verse 16, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Paul is saying this gospel, think about this. There are three major world religions, to use that word loosely, three major world religions that call Abraham their father, right? Islam, Judaism, Christianity. These three major religions call Abraham their father. And so he goes all the way back. He points to all the way back and he speaks about, watch this, God started speaking the gospel back then. It wasn't, it wasn't like God gave the law and then he goes, I'm going to flip it on you. No, it's grace. Ha <laughs> ha. See, told you you couldn't do it. It's not that. God is saying, no, 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 no. This gospel, this good news. Notice Paul's words. He says, the promises were spoken to Abraham. The promises, the gospel, the good news were spoken to Abraham thousands of years before Mary was ever told by a great angel that she would bear a child. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Now, Paul is talking about Genesis chapter 15. Now, I'm going to actually go back to Genesis chapter 15 because I want you to see the contract that God makes. It may or may not be on the screen, but either way, I want you to really focus Focus, focus, focus. Because Paul is going wait, Paul is going retro in order to prove a modern point. He's going way back in order to get us to understand what God is doing now. Verse 17. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later... Does not, and before I actually, um, I need to say this. When, when, um, and just look at me because we have to go back to verse 16. Paul indicates who that seed is. 
Because you, people can argue, oh, the seed is the nation of Israel. No. It's not, a, it's, it's not the nation of Israel, and it's not, listen to me, and it's not a set of laws that the nation of Israel would give. And although that is a great gift that we got, you know, God kept his scripture through them, and God, you know, protected his word through them for hundreds and, not, and also thousands of years. So we're grateful for that. But that's not the seed. Paul says, no, 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 no. That seed, not seeds, it's not the nation of people. It's not seeds, plural. It's seed, singular. Now watch this. this we're going somewhere with this, so I need you to stay along. But I know this is kind of heady stuff, but I just want you to stay along because this is going to pay off big dividends if we understand this. Uh, what I mean is this, now go back to, so it's Christ. Christ is the seed. Not the nation of Israel, not a particular, no, it's, it's Christ. And God was telling this to Abraham from the very beginning. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. So Paul is saying what's obvious, listen, the law came, and uh, Paul is not speaking of 430 years between Abraham and Moses when Moses gave the law. Paul is speaking, because there was more time than that. Um, Paul is speaking about the time when they were in captivity. They were in captivity for about 430 years. He's preaching, he's speaking from Exodus, where it says it was, they were in captivity for 430 years. Let me ask you this. What came first, law or relationship with God? Which came first in the Exodus? You know, you've seen the movie, Right? Right? Uh, you know, let my people go. Right? Everybody saw the cartoon, right? Okay, what came first? Relationship with God or the law? Relationship with God. It's relationship with God. That came first. The law didn't come till after they were set free. Isn't that interesting? It's not give you the law, then you can be set free. No, 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 no. God has all, this has been God's plan. The gospel has been God's plan all throughout. And listen, just because the law came 430 years later doesn't annul, doesn't invalidate this work that God started. God's doing something. Are you as excited about that as I am? The reason I get excited is because I'm such a mess up. I mean, isn't that liberating? I mean, don't you wish you could be a better wife than you are? Don't you wish you could be a better husband than you are? Don't you wish you could be a better employee or father or, 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 or saver or spender or whatever side of the street you fall on? I don't know. But don't you wish you could be better than you are? Paul says, the relationship is established with God and he grows you. The law comes later. In fact, 430 years later. That's like, that's a lot. That's older than the United States. That's nearly, you know, it's not nearly double, but it's, it's a third older than the United States. That's awesome that God would do that. So why? Why would God do that? Because it's not about rules, guys. It's not about rules. It's about a deep, loving, passionate relationship it's a, listen to me it's about a sacred romance with the king of the heavens a romance where you can hear the voice of god i love i love the in my mind it's it's a dance 
where God is leading. And we get the opportunity to follow. What a joy. Verse 18. For the inheritance... All right, so um, let's stay with verse 17. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. In other words, Paul is saying... Just because God gave the law doesn't do away with the gospel that he started to do in Abraham. Hundreds of years before. Verse 18. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on a promise. Do you see where Paul is going? Listen, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, God will love me if I just do everything right. If I keep my anger in check, if I, if I don't spend a lot, you know, God will love me more and God will love me less if I pick up and use or if I hurt someone else or hurt myself. No, 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 no. God's love is perfect, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I'm going to have God's love and he'll make up the 80% and then I'll just do. I'll try to make up the rest. I'll try to do as much as I can. That's not it. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then no longer depends on the promise, the promise of Abraham. But God, in His grace, gave it to Abraham through a promise. Now, I want everybody to jump to Genesis 13, because I need you to see this. And let me just read the rest. Uh, well, alright, just jump to Genesis 13, and we'll get there in a second. When then, verse 19, when then was the purpose, what then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgression until the seed, that's Jesus, to whom the promise referred to had come. So here's the question. If you're sitting here and you've been sitting here for the last few months and you've been asking yourself, then what's the law about? What about the law? I mean, so why do we have the law? Why do we have all these commandments? And why? Because they're certainly in there. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not. Right? So if, if that's in there, what's it in there for? Why is it there? And Paul says something powerful. He says, it was added because of transgressions, because of sin. Until the seed to whom the promise referred to had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, mediator however, uh, does not represent just one party, but God is one. I'm not going to comment on verse 20. Let me tell you why. Because I don't know what it means. I don't. I've been studying really hard this week. I just don't get it. I, I, if you get it, tell me after the service. You know the, the, the old um, Hebrew uh, rabbis? They would come to a portion of the Bible that they didn't understand. And they would put their Bible down and they would start worshiping God. And you know what they would say as they worshiped God? They would say, you're greater than we thought. We don't even get how great you are. You're more awesome than we thought. And so I had a lot of that this week. I was just uh, sitting down and just worshiping God. You're greater than I thought. And I'd hate... Verse 20, just so you know. uh, In verse 20... Well, not 20. Yeah. um, In verse 20, 21, there's something like over 230 explanations that exist for verse 20. So I'm not throwing mine in. I just, you know, there's a, nobody really knows. We're not really sure. 
Uh, it's a confusing passage. But thank God we could still get the, the gist of this passage. When we go, what is the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions until the seed. So you know what the law does? The law shows you why the gospel is so important. It has you run to Jesus. So why is this good? When you are angry and you curse at your spouse or you curse at your friend or you curse at your relative, right? And you sin, there is a guilt that comes in and even a shame that comes in. Now, I know that there's a pithy statement that says, you know, um, guilt is when you do something wrong and shame is when you feel you are wrong. I'm not so sure about that. But there's a healthy sense of guilt and there's a healthy sense of shame. And these things are used to bring us to our knees to recognize how much we need the Lord. If you've been coming to this church for a while and you just haven't gotten it right, or any church, if you've been coming to any church for a while and you haven't gotten it right and you just feel... The, the, the devil will tell you, why bother going to church? They're just going to remind you of your failings. And God says, no, you missed the point. I put your conscience there. I put your Holy Spirit there so that you could see your desperate need of me. So that when, when, when the law comes at me face to face, I see the law and I say, man, do I need God. Man, do I need God's help. Man, do I need to just enmesh myself in the gospel. Not so that I could say, well, I'm going to try harder. Well, I'm going to do that better. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work really. No, no, no. You go, God, I can't believe there's this much work that needs to be done. More than I thought. God, would you help me? That's what the law is supposed to do. The law is supposed to bring you to your knees so that you cry out to Jesus. Let me tell you why that's so important. Because some of you walked in here feeling like you had a weight on your shoulders. You know what you did last Thursday at 2, in the, you know, two o'clock in the morning. And, and, you just, and you're just like, wow, I wish I hadn't done that. And you walk with a weight on your shoulders and you say, I, I can't believe I'm this way. That's to point you to Jesus. It's a gift from God. And so I know that the whole world wants it for you to get rid of this. And if you do get rid of this, you'll get rid of your need for Jesus. It won't be a, and, and I'm not, and here's what I'm not saying, because someone will hear this on the internet and they'll, and they'll, you know, do something ridiculous. What I'm not saying is that in Christianity, we're called to feel guilty every moment and, you know, walk in a sense of perpetual guilt and shame and woe is me and you, oh man, I'm so bad. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that guilt can help you to bring, number one, it can help you to bring you to the feet of Jesus. And number two, it can help you fall deeper in love with God. Because could you imagine, imagine when after you blow it, you fall at your knees to Jesus and you say, you still love me? Really? You mean you still? Yeah, but you don't understand. I blew it with my aunt. You know, I was going to make up with her, but and then, you know, she got sick and she went into a coma and then she died. And I, and, I, and I just, I wish, 
I could have had that time, but I'll never have it again. And you feel guilt and you feel shame and you go on through life with this pain and this suffering. And listen to me. And God says, I love you. And you're forgiven. And you're made right. This is huge because some of, some of us in this church operate out of guilt. We call it love, but it's actually guilt. So it, this is especially true for single parents, right? You're a dad. You got divorced with the, you know, the baby mama. And what happens? You're a dad. You got divorced with the baby's mama. And you, you, know, you can't be there. So what do you do? You, you know, you're Santa Claus every, week, every other weekend, right? Or you're, you're, you, know, you're, you, know, you try to buy everything for them. You try to do everything for them. What are you trying to do? You're trying to make up for them. It's not out of love. It's out of guilt, Right? And so if you're a mom and you're in that situation, you're not visiting every week, but you see that, you know, dad is now coming every other week. And so now you feel a great sense of guilt because you can't possibly keep up with that kind of production. So what do you do? You're a little bit more submissive. You let the kids do a little bit more. You let, well, dad lets us go out. Okay, I'll let you go out too. And, but we're operating from a sense of guilt. Wouldn't it be better to just say, Lord, I'm so broken over this broken relationship. I'm so devastated. Would you remind me about how unified we are? How I'm one in Christ. Christ dwelling within me by the Holy Spirit. Won't you? Like there's, wow. You don't have to walk around with the guilt and the shame that you've been walking around with. There is the gospel. And the gospel sets you free. 18, uh, um, uh, 21. Is the law therefore opposed to the promise of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had not been given, uh, had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would have certainly have come by the law. In other words, if the law could have gave us life, God wouldn't have gave the gospel. He just gave him rule book. If there's some, in other words, let's say for instance, there's 10 out of 100 that can actually keep the rule book, then everything would have been fine. You just keep the rules. Jesus, you know, remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Oh, Father, if there's any other way that this cup can pass from me, because he knows that this thing is going to hurt. This is going to be, this is not like, you know, this is going to be awful. Listen, the Father would have simply said, yeah, give them a set of rules. Tell them to do the best they can. And he would have never had to have been crucified, but that wasn't the case. Jesus had to die for our sins. And now, I want you to remember this thing, promise, because Paul is building everything on the promise given to Abraham, which we're going to see in a second. Absolutely not for it. If a law had been given that could uh, impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who, what's the next word? Believe. You might ask, how much faith do I need? How much faith do I need in order to get this great gift of salvation where I'm free and I no longer have to walk in guilt? Listen, you just have to believe. Yeah, but how much of that? Listen, this much. If you fall off a cliff, right, and you see like a a root or a branch sticking out, how much do you have to believe in that root or in that branch um, for it to save you? Listen to me. Just enough to reach out to it and grab it. Because whether you get saved when you fall off that cliff, whether you get saved or not has nothing to do with your, how much belief you have. 
It has everything to do on what you put your faith in. See, we're not saved by our belief so much as we're saved by who we believed in. So you can have an enormous amount of faith and be completely and, and believe in the wrong thing and be off. Or you can have very little faith in something genuine and true and good. And it can save you. Just enough, watch this. How much do you have to believe to be saved when you fall off the cliff? Just enough to reach out. How much do you have to believe in order to be saved by the power of Jesus Christ? Just enough to ask him to come into your heart. Confessing your sins to him. Wow. Now watch this. Go to Genesis chapter 15. This is going to be so good. Because I want you to, I want, I want to show you something that this is not just peculiar to Pauline theology, nor is it peculiar to the New Testament. This is from cover to cover. Now, I gotta explain this really fast, and I can't do this whole deal, right? So, um, I'm gonna read really fast. You may see it on the screen, not, I don't know. Um, after this word, uh, uh, of the Lord, I'm sorry, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, I, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate, Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. God was making a promise with Abraham. He was making a covenant. This is the covenant that Paul is talking about. He said, but the promises that were given to Abraham. So God is about to make a promise to Abraham. Jump down to... Um, okay, jump down to verse 9. Jump down to verse 9. I want you to check this out. So the Lord... So God promises Abraham, it's through your seed that you'll be saved. You'll see. Then Abraham... And God does this peculiar thing that you and I won't understand, but Abraham understood perfectly. So the Lord said, verse 9, So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Now watch this. Abraham knows exactly what to do. They're going to exercise a covenant. A covenant. So this is what they would do. Now this is a little bit gross. Okay? I just want to warn you. All right? But it's cultural and God is speaking Abraham's language. Abraham would understand this. I love that about God. He speaks people's language. And so Abraham brings this, this goat, this heifer, this, this pigeon, and what he does is he cuts them in half. And so there's blood, right? And so there's half of the goat here, half of the heifer there, half of the pigeon here, half of the pigeon there. And so there's this blood. Now, if you were going to make a contract in this culture at this time, you would make a contract this way. But here's the thing. If you made a contract this way, what you would do is basically what you're saying is, you know, I agree with you, sir, to um, mow your lawn for 30 days if you agree to pay me $100. Right? That's the agreement. That's the, right? I'll mow the lawn. You give me $100. Are you with me? Okay, because I know I've been talking for a while, so you might be fading out, right? So just stick with me, okay? Now watch this. This is really big. This is the whole, you miss the whole Bible if you miss this. That's how important this is, okay? So now watch this. Do me a favor, all right? So he separates the animals, and there's blood. 
And he says, and this is the contract. If we made the contract, I'll, uh, I'll mow your lawn. You pay me $100. I would walk through. The, and this is what I'm saying when I walk through. I would walk through and I would say, so it be with me like these animals if I do not mow your lawn and do what I said for 30 days. And then the other guy would walk through and say, so it be with me if I do not pay you $100 by the end of this month. We're saying, it's awesome. It's, it's a, this is not like a contract like me and you experience in, in the 21st century. This is a contract on steroids. This is like a really important communication. I would rather die then break my oath to you. It will be done. Now, if you conquer the land, this is big too. Don't forget this, right? Now, I know you, I can see the excitement on all your faces. You're really tracking with me. This is great. Okay, now, um, maybe not. All right, so, um, okay, so now watch this. If we were a conquering land, let's say, for instance, I'm a conquering, uh, Etta, come up here. You're going to be my help. Thanks, Etta. Oh, Etta hates being up here. Praise God. She's so, so, all right, now, let's say Etta's army conquered my land. Come up here, Etta. This is great. This is great. You're, she's the reigning queen, right? And then, so, so right, she's going to stand right there. Now, if Etta, and she says, okay, now, Edwin, you're going to be my vassal. You're going you're gonna to organize, you're going to control the, the region that I just conquered. Now, here's the thing. So we would cut the animals, and I would walk through it. Because Etta might or might not walk through it. But I would walk through it saying, yes, I'm going to give you these taxes. Yes, I'm going to give you these tributes. Yes, and may I die if I don't give you this tribute, if I don't perform my duties as a vassal to you. So Etta would say, so now Etta might walk through it, right? She might walk through our imaginary animal deal, right, with her hands in her pockets. And um, that's fine. And she might walk through it or she might not because she's a conquering queen. And she might not need to. And so she just might have me because I'm subservient to her. That might happen too. I want you to see what happens. Listen, why did I give you all that information? Because God is about to make a gospel statement that's going to punch you in the face. It's going to be shocking. Now that you know all of that history, this is going to be shocking. Thank you, Etta. Thanks, our queen, Etta. Thank you. All right. Abraham brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged them in halves, just like I explained to you. Opposite each other. And the birds, however, he did not cut in half. The bir- then birds of prey came, right? And then Abraham swept them away. Okay, r- jump down to, oh gosh. Yes, verse 17. Go to verse 17. When the sun had set, and listen to I want you to see every inch of this. This, listen, every word of God is so important. We, this is going to blow your mind. Some of you are going to know Jesus after this. This is powerful. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And then it goes on and on and on. This pillar of smoke and this fire comes down. Who walks 
in between the dead animals. Does Abraham walk through it? All the way in Genesis, God is preaching the gospel. And he says, may it be, may I die. God says, and a peculiar darkness covered the land. Where did I hear that from? A peculiar darkness covered the land. And God, and we don't know what the smoke or fire looked like, but he was, you know, just... You know, just imagine with me. He's trying to use words to describe a supernatural thing. And God says, may my eternity stop. May my my eternity become temporal. May my infinity become finity. May, May my greatness become. May I, who cannot die, die. If this contract of this promise that I'm giving to you. But here's the thing. He's the king. He's the conqueror. God is Lord. But Abraham never walked. You know why? Because Abraham couldn't keep that end of the bargain up. Abraham couldn't keep the bargain up that I'm going to be good. Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. And my people are going to be faithful to you. And we're going to do all that you say. Abraham never says that. That's nowhere found in the scriptures. God walks through the pieces. And says, I'd rather die than break this covenant with you. And then, several thousand years later, there was another peculiar darkness that fell through the land. And there was a man on the cross who was nailed to the tree and made good on his promise to Abraham. Hide! rather die than not have this relationship with you. God promises it to Abraham. He establishes it through Moses and saying, you can be in a relationship with me. And he allows the law, he allows the law to help us to see our deep need for the one who would walk through the dead animals and who would rather die than let you go. Remember that old song from the church? God loves people more than anything. God loves people more than anything. More than anything he wants you to know. He'd rather die than let you go. Because God loves people more than anything. We are saved by grace. We are grown by grace. We're going to have a song, um, a special song. It's not about how good you are. Now watch this. What does that mean for us as the singer comes up? What does that mean for us? Listen to me. It means when you blow it. Listen to me. When you blow it and you feel like, I didn't keep my end of the bargain. I want you to remember that there was one who kept his end of the bargain, even though you didn't keep yours. When you, listen, when you mess up, I want you to remember that there was one who walked in between the dead animals so that you wouldn't have to. Listen, and I want you to remember that on the day that that dark cloud came again, 
God made good on his promise. You struggle, and, and these are the words that you tell yourself, well, I have control issues, or she has control issues, or he has control issues. You don't have a control issue, you have a worship issue. Your, your problem is that you trust your control more than you trust God's control. No, but I have a drinking problem, or he has a drinking problem, or she has a drinking problem. You don't have a drinking problem, you have a worship problem. You go to the alcohol to satisfy and give you pleasure, and you should be going to Jesus. I have a sexual addiction. No, 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 you don't have a sexual addiction. Listen, listen, listen. You have a worship problem. You think that she will make you into the... His promise is still true. And he's good. And he walked and signed the contract himself. And then fulfilled the final clause on the cross. You want to grow in Christ? Keep worshiping the one who went to the cross. You want to defeat that sin that you can't seem to overcome? Be enamored with the cross. It's that grace that he wants to extend to you today. And if you don't know him, listen, if you're here and you're new, and you don't believe a word I said. Don't you want it to be true? I mean, at least, I bet you want it to be true. Like, don't you want to be true? That if there's a God in heaven, and you might not believe that, and if there's a, a truth that he can have relationship with us, and you might not believe that, but don't you want to believe that that's true? Isn't something inside of you says, I long for that. The love of that boy can't fulfill that. The love of that girl can't fulfill that. The love of the finances can't fulfill that. I just, I just want that to be true. That if God is true and he's real and he's there, I would wish that he would walk through the parts because I can't. Don't you want that to be true? Good news. It is. It is. Let's pray. Were it not for grace, what would we do without your amazing grace? You, O oh God, who gave us an abundance for salvation and didn't stop there, you want to grow us. Father, help us to see the gospel throughout the whole Bible, whether it's Abraham or Moses or Paul. Help us never to go back to just doing rules. Help us never to forget that you made good. You made good on the contract. My prayer, Lord, if there's someone here who doesn't know you, that even now they would say, Lord, I just tell you my sins. I'll confess them to you. I was wrong. You were right. Come into my heart. Save me from running the race that I could never win. Draw me to yourself. My prayer, O oh Lord, is that 2010 
would be the year that we would worship our King and recognize that His grace is mighty to save and mighty to grow and mighty to mature us. Your grace is amazing and it's enough. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.